Welcome to the Robert J. Morgan Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping you believe and cherish the Bible and to learn and love Christian history and hymnody. I'm producer Joshua Rowe, introducing your host, Robert J. Morgan. Be sure to visit robertjmorgan.com where you'll find Rob's blog posts, podcast feed, bookstore, free resources, and more. If you've not already, be sure to subscribe to this podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review. Now here's your host, Robert J. Morgan. The Washington Post recently asked readers to describe the world as it is today in one word. Some of the answers were unprintable in a family newspaper, but the three top responses were exhausting, lost, chaotic. Well, who doesn't feel that this is an exhausting and an exhausted world, one that has lost its way and is descending into chaos? Sometimes I feel exhausted and lost and chaotic, too. But that's what I take time to revisit the ancient church of the Philippians. I take my seat, as it were, and imagine the leader calling the service to order with news that a letter has just arrived through the hand of a traveling church member from Rome. The, la- the letter was from Paul, the apostle who had planted the church years before. It isn't a long letter. Four short pieces of parchment, but every verse is so special. Well, we have been looking through this letter to the Philippians for really several months, and we're coming to the latter part of chapter 3, and today I want to do something different and to take an excursus, uh, or maybe you might call it an appendix, on this one idea that is found in Philippians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. Philippians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. Those verses say, But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Now, we'll exegete that passage in a week or two. There is so much there. But it, in essence, says that at the resurrection, our bodies are going to be transformed and glorified to be like the resurrection and the glorified body of our Lord. So today I want to do something different with this podcast. I have been studying this subject, and I came across a tremendous sermon about what our resurrected, our, our resurrected and our glorified bodies will be like. The Bible talks about it a great deal. In 1 Thessalonians, it says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive will be caught up into the air to meet the Lord in the clouds. And in 1 Corinthians 15... Paul said that the body is sown into the earth as a perishable object, but it will be raised imperishable and incorruptible, and death will be swallowed up in victory. John said that when we see him, we will be like him, for we will see him as he is. And the book of Revelation, chapter number 21, talks about how God will wipe from our lives and from our eyes 
all tears and all of the pain and suffering and sorrow, and there will be no more death. So what will our resurrection bodies be like? In a couple of weeks when we study Revelation 3, 20 and 21 in more depth, I'll give you some of my ideas. But on this special edition of the podcast, I want to read you some excerpts from a sermon that was preached on Sunday, October 16, 1842, in the South Parade Chapel in Halifax in England. The sermon is called The Glorified Body, and I came across it as I was researching this subject. The pastor was Samuel Dunn, who was a Methodist preacher, very popular in his day. He wrote over 70 books. I've never heard of him or read him before, but after reading this particular sermon, he is someone that has drawn my interest and my attention. Even though the language is slightly dated, I think that you'll catch the spirit of excitement that Pastor Dunn had about our future bodies, and in this sermon, he just described with some eloquence what it's going to be like when Christ comes again and when our bodies are resurrected and raised imperishable, incorruptible, and we are made like him. So the following words were preached again on Sunday, October 16th of 1842 by a Methodist pastor in his church in England, and here is part of what he said. As Christ is risen from the dead, and as he has destroyed the destroyer, spoiled the grave, burst the barriers of the tomb, opened the iron gates of death, so our resurrection will follow. He rose in our nature as our representative. His resurrection was a proof, a pledge, an earnest guarantee of ours. The resurrection will be a miraculous work performed by Christ. The Bible says, as in Adam all die, so in Christ will all be made alive. It is also plain that the same body will be raised again. How wonderful and wondrous and glorious the changes in its qualities and form may be, the substance will be the same. If God gave not the same body we once inhabited, it would not be a resurrection arising again, but a creation. Job said, In my flesh shall I see God. There are difficulties connected with the subject, that the body after it has been reduced to dust and that dust blown by the winds or washed by the floods or consumed by the fire or transmuted into plants and animals shall be raised again, and that a sameness shall be preserved, is a mystery. But he who first formed our bodies from the dust of the earth shall effect it because to omnipotence it is possible. Indeed, to omnipotence it is easy." It should also be kept in mind that the apostle is speaking in this text exclusively of the righteous, of those who have believed in Christ, who have suffered for Christ, who have had the sting of death extracted from the souls by the blood of Christ, of those who have fallen asleep in Christ. These promises are given to the followers of Christ. The body is indeed fearfully and wonderfully made. It is the most beautiful and curious piece of mechanism that was ever constructed. 
the dignity of its form, the symmetry of its parts, the nature of its different organs, the relations which they bear to one another and to external objects all show the hand of a divine architect. But in its present state, it is subject to numberless infirmities. There is a constant tendency to disease. Some diseases disfigure the body, others torture it, while others rapidly corrupt its solids and poison its fluids. No powers of medicine, no skill of physicians can preserve it in perpetual existence. Death takes hold of the frame. It is screwed into the coffin, consigned to the grave, and speedily becomes a mass of nauseous, putrid matter. It sees corruption. But then the voice of the Son of God shall strike on its dull, cold ear, and it shall start up obedient to the call. Then it shall be no more subject to pain, disease, decay, mutilation, disruption, dissolution, disorganization, or degradation. It will not be subject to putrefaction any longer. It will no longer be the nurse of violent appetites and passions or the seedbed of weakness, pains, and maladies. Its substance will be indestructible and unchangeable. Its inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, and will never fade away. There will be no more hostile attacks, infectious particles, unwholesome sweats, poisonous threats, or malignant vapors conspiring to its destruction. It will no more be flushed with fever or with consumption, suffocated with asthma or strangled with infection, swollen with dropsy or racked with rheumatism. It shall flourish in immortal youth, in undecaying luster, ever beautiful and ever young." God shall wipe away all the tears from our eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things have passed away. The eye shall be adapted to the splendid scenery of the new world, the new heavens, the new earth. The ear will be adapted to its melody and harmony, and to the smell of the glorious flowers will our noses be adapted and our tongues to the taste of the fruit of the tree of life. Our bodies will be so beautified and covered with excessive brightness so as to exceed all that is beautiful and splendid on this earth now. The Bible says, Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun. The countenance will yield to the impressions of the pure soul, filled with peace and beaming with love. The glorified body of Christ will be the model after which the bodies of his people shall be reformed. We will not only see him, we shall be like him. The first glimpse we see of him as we come forth from the tomb will be a transforming one. A powerful influence shall emanate from his effulgence, which shall have an immediate and necessary effect of assimilating us into his likeness. Our glorified body shall be his as it appeared on the Mount of Transfiguration when its glory so irradiated his garments that they became as white as snow. Like his, as Saul beheld it on his way to Damascus when its brightness eclipsed the light of the noonday sun. Like his, 
as represented to John on the island of Patmos when our Lord's head and his hair was white as wool, as white as snow, his eyes as a flame of fire, and his countenance as the sun shining in all its strength. Like his body, now that it is raised to the pinnacle of the universe, seated on the throne of light, closely allied to deity, beheld, admired, beloved, and adored by cherubim and seraphim, the bodies of the saints shall be faithful transcripts of his. But the splendor of the resurrection body surpasses all of our conceptions. It shall be in glory, fairer than the fairest flower, purer than the unspotted firmament, brighter than the morning sun, more radiant than the midday star, more splendid than Adam's body in paradise, more illustrious than angels. Our bodies shall be like the body of our Lord Jesus Christ. Our resurrection bodies will be supported and pervaded by a power of which at present we can form but little conception. They will excel in strength. Our resurrection bodies will possess the power of moving perhaps from world to world with greater clarity than the sunbeams and with greater ease than we can now pass from this chapel to our respective houses. As the bodies of Enoch and Elijah and of our Lord went up into heaven, so shall the bodies of all of the saints, unaffected by the laws of gravitation or by the pressures of the atmosphere, be free to move about. We shall have the power of adapting them to every employment and enjoyment. The eye may have the power of seeing minute objects immensely distant and the ear of catching the faintest sounds. We shall move without weariness, think without exhaustion, contemplate the loftiest objects without difficulty. And he said, If the body of the resurrection saints be so glorious, how great must be the glory of our risen souls. Well, that gives you a little picture of the glorified body put in very eloquent language by a minister who preached a sermon 181 years ago on the glorified body. His name was Reverend Samuel Dunn. I didn't read you the entire thing, but every word of it is worth thinking about and contemplating as with wonderful eloquence he describes a coming event that is sure and certain for you and me. For we eagerly await a Savior from heaven, who by the power that he exerts when he brings everything under his control will transform and glorify our bodies so that our resurrection bodies will be like his, and so shall we be with the Lord forever. Well, thank you for joining me with this rather different episode of the Robert J. Morgan podcast. This and all of the episodes was produced by Joshua Rowe and the marketing company Clearly Media. Audio editing is by Jared Brummett. Editorial supervision is by Sherry Anderson. And Luke Tyler takes each of these episodes, condenses them, and posts them as blogs on my website at Robert J. Morgan, where you can find many other resources. Music is by Jordan Davis and Elijah Rowe. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in, and may God be with you until we meet again.